I'm a pretty busy person. And many of you know what I'm talking about when I say sometimes I just really need something to keep me grinding. Because often enough by the afternoon, sometimes even the early afternoon, I'm dragging ass. Do I drink coffee? Sure. But as somebody who's prone to anxiety symptoms, I don't always want like double and triple doses of caffeine in my system. But what if there were a product that enabled you to do more, but stress less? Well, I came across this product called Magic Mind. It comes in a 15-day supply of two-ounce shots. You take one shot each day. And everybody's different, but for most people, you really feel the benefits after three days. So I tried it. I didn't really notice anything the first day. I guess I was thinking it would be like a, a jolt of liquid lightning or whatever, but it wasn't. The second day, I drank it again, same time with my coffee. It was like midway through the third day that I realized my energy levels were changing. I wasn't having those like carb crashes and I felt less stressed. It was like the things that tend to wind me up through the day just didn't really seem to bother me. Honestly, it's been pretty wild. Magic Mind's been more like something happening in the background of my day, like gently reinforcing my energy. And that's meant focus, but focus without all the bullshit that tends to come with a bunch of caffeine. So what's in it? Well, there's a lot packed into those two ounces. There's matcha that, that extends out your morning energy and, and adaptogens like ashawanda root and rhodiola rosea to help you relax. Let me encourage you to give it a try. I think you'll be glad you did. Go to magicmind.co slash OCD and get 40% off your subscription for the next 10 days with my promo code OCD20. That's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot C-O slash OCD and use my promo code OCD20. Magic Mind, man. Do more. Stress less. All right, my friends. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist. And this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. This uh, this patient, he, he asks me, hey, do you think that, uh, you know, do you think that arguing with my thoughts, do you think that's a compulsion, you know, and, and it's like, well, let's talk through the details of, of what's of what you mean when you say you're arguing with your thoughts, because because I don't I don't want to sort of reflexively respond in one way or the other. Uh, you know, and then later on, you know, I hear this person out. I'm thinking, actually, no, I changed my mind. You know, that's not going to be terribly helpful to the patient. You know, so it's like, well, let's let's talk through this. But I'm thinking I've yeah, I think I know the answer to the question, you know, like. Uh, I mean, it, it, and, and and I'm I don't know, I, I really value the idea of understanding objectively uh, what a compulsion is, like what makes a behavior a compulsion? What is it? You know, and that's and that's not a rhetorical question. I realize that this is a podcast, but I would love for you to answer the question, right? pause the podcast and answer the question for yourself. What makes a behavior a compulsion? You know, because there is a definitive answer to that question, right? And when I, and I, when I say there's a definitive answer to the question, I, I'm meaning to say that the American Psychiatric Association uh, in, in DSM, that is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, has provided uh, objective parameters that answer the question. 
What makes a behavioral compulsion? And by the way, the, the implication there is like any behavior, and you might think, well, any behavior, but, but this one and but that one. No, I, I quite literally mean, I'm sure there's an exception somewhere, but I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, so I'll just sort of say it that way, that any behavior can be a compulsion, right? And that doesn't mean every behavior is, of course. It doesn't even mean that every behavior any individual OCD or is doing is a compulsion. Well, no, no. But but any behavior theoretically can be a compulsion. And there's this specific uh, set of criteria, I suppose you could say, that a behavior has to meet in order to therefore meet the definition of compulsion. And that's something that, yeah, I mean, any behavior can be a compulsion. So what makes a behavior a compulsion? What renders it ritualistic? And the answer is, well, it's a behavior that is is repetitive. And as I've argued before on the podcast, what the hell does that mean? Like a lot of us will paint the picture that repetitive means like I'm doing it over and over and over and over again all day long. And I suppose, yeah, that would meet the definition of repetitive. But does it have to be that obvious and that pronounced to be repetitive? Like you could argue that you sleep repetitively, even though you only do it once a day. You follow what I'm saying? And, and there's this sort of loose meaning or application to the term. And I, and I think that that's helpful for us to bring out in our thinking about, well, what, what is repetitive anyway? Because it's a good question, right? Okay, fine. So the idea of repetitive is, uh, is something that we do more than once, okay? Uh, something that we do more than once. And it's a, it's a behavioral choice that we engage repetitively for the purpose of reducing our anxiety. You might say managing our anxiety, right? I might even argue expressing our anxiety, which gets into the idea of, of a nervous behavior. And, and some researchers would say, well, no, a nervous behavior is different from a compulsive response. And I'm not sure the extent to which that's objectively true, but just to give you more of a robust idea, some individuals would argue, well, those are different, right? And again, I'm not sure that I would agree, uh, but, the, but the way that the definition works is a, a behavioral choice that we engage repetitively for the purpose of reducing anxiety or maybe managing anxiety or, now I'm not saying and, or for the purpose of neutralizing feared outcomes, which is another way of saying getting rid of unwanted thoughts, right? So you're thinking about, well, what, what makes a behavioral compulsion? Well, what makes a behavioral compulsion is if it is being done with some amount of repetition for the purpose of getting rid of anxiety or getting rid of un unwanted thoughts. If that's why, now hear me, I didn't say what, if that's what you're doing. No, because the what can be anything any behavioral choice, if that's why you're doing it, well, then yeah, in all likelihood, it, it is a compulsion. It does meet the definition. So back to the question, like, well, is arguing with my thoughts a compulsion? I suppose it depends on the why. Why are we doing that? What's the function? What's the aim or the intent of arguing. Am I trying to disprove my thoughts? Right. And, 
this is something that Dr. Rupertus and I were talking about and, uh, you know, a, a, a couple of months ago with regard to this whole concept of disconfirming beliefs. It's not a terribly helpful process, right? Because the whole idea meets the definition of compulsion. And so why are you arguing with your thoughts? I think that that's, that's an important question to, to answer uh, in relationship to the question, is arguing with my thoughts compulsive? Well, let's ask something of a different question. Is processing a compulsion? Now, I think this is a, this is a meatier question, right? It, it's more robust because lots and lots and lots of people, both in the OCD community and outside of it, can sort of relate to, well, I process my day. Maybe I process it with my partner at the end of the, at the, end of the, the evening, or, or maybe I, uh, I, I'm an internal thinker and I'm just sort of thinking through conversations that I had or, or, um, or facial expressions that were made in, in my direction, you know, and so on and so forth. So is processing a compulsion? And, and where do you draw the line between everyday healthy, uh, you know, sort of uh, normative or or normal thinking and compulsive uh, thinking, like rumination or or arguing with my thoughts. You know, like where do you draw the line? Because that seems to be a really hazy distinction if it can be made at all. And I think that this is this is why it's helpful to have definitions. This is why right? Because it's a good question. And without definitions, it's like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. Can, can you, can you explain to me exactly what you're doing when you're processing? Uh, you know, it gets really hazy and it gets very difficult to try and, and provide a, a definitive answer. But the reality of the situation is, you know, when patients are asking questions, they don't want, you know, the shoulder shrug and the, I don't know, they want an answer, right? And so it's helpful to have definitions. And this is why I pass the definition uh, along to you. So you can have the definition. So you can be thinking from an informed point of view and you can be thinking objectively about, okay, is this behavior a compulsion? Is processing my day a compulsion? Let's, let's work through the definition and let's apply the definition to the question, right? So is processing my day, thinking through the conversations that I had and, and, and the different details and the sequences of events and, and so on. Is that a compulsion, right? And you might make the argument, well, it sounds like rumination to me. And that's fair enough. But is it? Because if it's not being done for the purpose of dispelling thoughts, that is, that is to say neutralizing feared outcomes or, or, or reducing anxiety, and you might say it's a behavioral choice to process and it's repetitive. I do it every evening when I come home, I process my day. You know, and, okay, that's great. Does that mean it's a compulsion? Well, no, not necessarily. If I'm processing, which is a behavioral choice and I do it every day, if I'm not doing it to reduce my anxiety and I'm not doing it to get rid of my thoughts, no, it doesn't meet the definition. So carry on, you know, enjoy. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you, you, gotta, you gotta think about it from an objective point of view. You have to think about it from this informed uh, perspective that, that views and that, and that takes into account the helpful parameters that APA has provided here. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I do think that for lots and lots of people, there's this kind of instinctive and reflexive response to the thoughts that we have, and that's arguing with them, and that's processing them, and thinking about them, and thinking about what they mean. And, and there is that question of, well, how much of that is just me 
sort of living with my own mind and and how much of that is me engaging a compulsive response and that my friends is a good question it's a good question and and my best response to you you know based on thousands and thousands of hours of treating anxiety disorders and ocd and and working with hundreds and hundreds of people my best response to you is let's take that question to the definition and when we get there and we look at what it means and we apply those ideas in real time on the ground floor to the question at hand your question your context your behavioral choices your responses to your intrusive thoughts not not theoretically and, and generally somewhere out there but applying it very specifically now to you because it, it it raises this this new possibility that any behavior can be a compulsion and when we identify the compulsions that we're doing from an informed point of view then we can begin to create changes and you say well what do you mean how am i creating changes i'm going to fight like hell to get out of that behavioral pattern because i i understand now based upon the definition that this or that is a compulsive response when we're talking about the cognitive model, it's this idea that our thoughts shape our feelings and our thoughts and feelings bring about behavioral choices and our behavioral choices become behavioral patterns. And here it is, our behavioral patterns reinforce the way that we think and feel and the situations that we face. If that's the idea, and so think with me, if that's the idea, then creating different behavioral choices reinforces different ways of thinking and feeling. That is the power of the cognitive model. So we, we have to be able to pay attention from an informed point of view as to what we're doing to reinforce the thinking and the feeling. It's only then that you begin to have actual hope for a different uh, future in terms of symptom presentation. You have the power to create different choices and therefore to make changes in the way you're thinking and the way you're feeling. Well, that's it for another episode of OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have to chrislines04 gmail.com. If you found the podcast helpful, consider giving it a five-star rating or support OCD Straight Talk to help us produce more content.